0: Beer with Buffy is a retro analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us on patreon.com slash BeerwithBuffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. I was told you were coming. The big bag is back. This time, I'm watching out sure getting the clearance to come into the initiative.
1: I've been thinking about the world like
0: vampires. Take a stand and
1: stand
0: It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this
1: one. It's not as good.
0: Yeah, I've had better. <sighs> Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. And today on Beer with Buffy, we are reviewing Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Season 4 episode 15 entitled This Year's Girl. Yes. So, yeah, stuff and things, stuff and things. I got to say I was really fucking
1: confused when I pulled this up <laughs> because every all the episodes I have on my computer have last time on Buffy or previously on Buffy. And I it pulled up and I'm like, I know I opened the right file, but here it is showing me all this last season stuff and I'm like, what the fuck? Great, I don't have the fucking episode.
0: I can't watch the show properly. <laughs> it's pandelirium. Well, like you guys. We're totally watching the wrong episode. Man, we haven't pulled that one out in a while. I forgot about that joke. How did I forget about That's our most long standing bullshit joke on this yeah. fucking show. Anyway, so last episode, I made a shout out to uh, Mr. Geraint Thatcher of the Twitterverse. Every Buffy Pod's biggest fan, because I've noticed he's not monogamous just to us. Oh, he, he loves all the Buffy Pods, and that's okay. You know, I we, find
1: most of our fans love all the Buffy Pods. Yeah,
0: that you know, the other Buffy Pods need love too. We can we can share. We can all share. We're a polyamorous Buffy Pod. But anyway, so I uh, I thought it was funny. I I asked him to start keeping track of how many times somebody calls the Scooby Gang the Scooby Gang, and uh, I didn't get any response about that, but I was linked to a video tutorial on how to pronounce geraint. (laughs) I didn't know it was a video tutorial. So I'm purposefully not pronouncing it properly. Um, I'm having too much fun saying geraint. But first of all, I learned two things from this video. Geraint the boss of me. (laughs) Yeah, we'll call that three and a half. Um, One, I'm not fucking it up nearly as bad as people who are actually from Europe. So I've got that going for me. And B, I learned from this video that your name is pronounced Eggpint. Because <laughs> what? <laughs> it was a terrible tutorial, sir. Uh Mr. Eggpint. He, since at no point did he directly state that you pronounce this name thusly, followed thusly by pronunciation. That's how my brain works. But he <laughs> did say it casually a couple of times, and I suppose I was supposed to contextually pick up that it's pronounced geraint. Geraint. Yeah, not gerarg. Geraint. So I was. So it's a hard G, and instead of ain't, it's ain't, which is. Geraint. Which is very yeah, British. I mean, yeah, that's. Yeah, geraint. You know, just imagine it's... that you're making fun of. Somebody from the other side of the pond, and geraint, instead of geraint. It sounds very much like grant. Yeah, but apparently it is Welsh for old man, which is neat. My name is Latin for king. My name is king. My first name, I don't even, I forget what Josh means. It's a biblical name. Other than to joke with somebody about something, which is
1: (laughs) perfect. I also
0: enjoy joking. Speaking of joking... Oh, there was another thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) So Rex gave me a clock as a gift a few months ago, and there's a small story behind this. So I have this clock that I bought in college. It was with loan money, but I'm still very attached to this clock. You tend to be very attached to your things, honestly. Uh, Just a handful of very important things, and this clock is one of them, because I've hated having to move back into my mom's house as many times as I've had to. Um, I've been stuck there the whole time we've been doing this podcast, and at one point, my mom went into my room, probably to vacuum or something, because she does that, and I had specifically told her, no, you can't have this clock. This is my clock. I don't need a reason to say no. I'm saying no, and you should respect that. She kind of grumbled and walked away. And then a couple months later, my clock showed up in the fucking living room. And I just went ahead and seethed about it for a few months. (laughs) Somewhere around six months before I said, I'm fucking taking my fucking clock back. And I put it back in my room. And I didn't even hang it up on the wall. I just stuck it in the corner. And my mom came home. And the first fucking thing she noticed was that her clock was gone. Joshua, you stole my (laughs) clock. You mean my clock? Well, you weren't even using it, Joshua. It doesn't matter if I was using it or not. Mom, it's my fucking clock. And what I can never tell her is that I dubbed this clock my sanity clock long ago. Years, years and years, I've called this clock my sanity clock because my mom insists on always setting all of the clocks in the house 10 minutes fast because she's perpetually Uh. late. My brother did that shit. Fuck. I can't deal with
1: it. I try to get every fucking clock in my entire living space as perfectly in sync
0: as possible. Absolutely. I want
1: back to the future level syncing of clocks.
0: You <laughs> know. But in every... So every clock in the house is somewhere between seven to 15 oh. minutes fast. <laughs> God. God. And it drives me fucking bonkers. Yeah, that would drive me so mad. So I had this clock in my room that I always knew was set to the right fucking time. It was my sanity clock. And she stole my fucking sanity clock, Rex. Right. And that's why Rex bought me... Uh, well, and I hated that it ticked, but it was still my sanity clock. So he bought me a non-ticking clock, which is amazing. And yeah, I just wanted to tell that story because... I know a lot of you are really big fans of the mom synopsis and I just thought you'd like a little bit of backstory on the mom voice, where (laughs) it comes from, and the real life frustration (laughs) that caused the mom synopsis to be born. Yeah. And if you're listening to this mom, (laughs) because I know that you know about this podcast now and it's very possible that she could hear this someday, if you ever find two clocks hidden on an obscured (laughs) part of the wall in my bedroom because you're vacuuming or whatever. And one that is not working. First of all, pay no heed to all of the used condom wrappers. (laughs) Second of all, if you ever come out and say, Joshua, I see that you have two clocks. Does that mean I can have my clock back No, that doesn't fucking mean that you can have my clock back. It's still my clock. Both of those clocks are my clocks, and you can't fucking have them. And what were you doing in my bedroom? You know, there's this whole boundaries and personal space thing. Oh, Boundaries. Bullshit. That's new-agey millennial shit. She's a boomer. What can I say? Anyway... Yeah, how about that mom synopsis? Oh, right. I'm sorry. Uh, Joshua, shut up about the clocks. What what are you doing, Joshua? Oh, you know, I just woke up from a nice little coma. Uh, Is this your knife in my gut? Joshua, I would never use the good cutlery to stab you. You're right. That was silly of me. Hey, wait a second. This is the knockoff Ginsu set you picked up at the flea market. <laughs> like I said, Joshua, I would never used the good ones to stab you. But you did stab me. I can neither confirm nor deny, Joshua. <laughs> so, uh, Spike's doing well this episode. <laughs> Look how helpful he's being. <laughs> Seriously, were you paying any attention, Mom? No, you little asshole. That's why you invented the mom synopsis. (laughs) I walk in halfway through and then ask questions that I would have known the answer to if I'd been watching. Right. So, Xander and (laughs) Giles made the classic blunder of expecting Spike to be helpful of his own accord again. They will clearly never learn. That is correct. But, you know, cutting back to the beginning of this episode, Buffy is basically planning on making this big bust out for Riley to get him out of the military hospital because she just can't stop thinking about him meanwhile Faith is having a lot of in her head dreaming stuff that we keep cutting back to and Riley shows up just in the nick of time before Buffy runs off to try and save him and recruiting Xander and Willow to help her and she's trying to get Xander to fix the blaster. And he's having a real hard time doing it. Nearly died doing it. and Nobody seems to care. <laughs> and then it's not too long before Faith wakes up, beats the shit out of some poor woman, steals her clothes, and she is on the loose at large. One of the nurses is apparently working for the council and she alerts them. And they send three goons in a helicopter uh, who come over and they find Giles. But I'm saying things out of order now. The, the rest of the episode becomes completely about faith giles gets a phone call it's for buffy they inform her that faith is awake and she's missing and that's a problem especially since faith was staring into the window at the time that she received this news faith shows up on the college campus the next day they argue a lot about the same old shit that they always argued about before faith thinks buffy's a big stuck-up bitch buffy thinks faith is psychotic and they fight faith runs away and then faith goes for buffy's mom And that does not work out well for her. Uh, Meanwhile, they're all still worried about Adam because he is also still at large and just as much of a psychopath. We get a big climactic ending. Buffy fights Faith and saves her mom. But due to a gift that Faith received from the mayor through an old friend of his, whom she also murdered, she (laughs) appears to have been able to swap souls with Buffy and is now in control of Buffy's body as of the end of the episode. Dun 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 to be continued. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed looking creatures, as soon as the sun goes down, vampire, vampire, as soon as the sun goes down, vampire, vampire, competition is a beautiful thing.
1: So yeah, like you said, we cold open to... I thought it was Buffy dreaming, but no, I was wrong, it's Faith that's dreaming. Oh my no,
0: very much Faith. With a little bit of foreshadowing, Josh. Did you catch the foreshadowing? I did catch the foreshadowing. It's almost like it's foreshadowing that was foreshadowed for us by a fan of ours on Facebook. I know. I'm kind of mad that that was foreshadowed to us. Right? Stop ruining things for us. (laughs) You know where we're at in the episodes. We're trying to keep these things a surprise for us. Yeah. Alrighty. It helps us savor... The
1: moment of rewatching.
0: Yeah, this this is all about nostalgia, guys. We're not trying to be
1: encyclopedic, nor honestly, are we trying under any circumstances to be well
0: behaved. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) not. At this point, they're working on the sheets. Buffy's like, "Ooh, it smells like summer or something. Faith's like, I wouldn't know. But at some point she's like, hey, glad to help. Little sis coming. Lots to do yeah and that's a loaded statement right there right
1: obviously foreshadowing dawn which kind of surprised me i've watched the series multiple times and i never fucking
0: remember that they foreshadowed dawn half a season before i absolutely never caught it the first time around but and you've, s- you've seen it a lot more than right, I right and
1: just because it, it's always jarring when you start the next season and dawn's there you're like what Wait, what? Weird. What? what? You know, I'm that's confused. That's on purpose. Right. But, yeah, this is showcasing that they obviously fucking plan a lot more of this shit way further
0: in advance than we realized. Right. It absolutely is that. So my question for you is, do you think this was foreshadowing for foreshadowing's sake, just to look like, hey, look how much we plan ahead, because sure, they had had this idea and decided to run with it at least a half a season ahead of time. Alternatively... Do you think there's some sort of canonical reason, whether it's just a fan theory or something that could reasonably be squeezed into or even looked up? Because you know we don't do research here <laughs> yeah, exactly at Beer with Buffy. But I'm wondering, is there some sort of explanation that this telepathic dream sequence between Buffy and Faith that would explain why either of them would have this information this far in advance that that is going to happen. Because I don't remember what the explanation was for Dawn existing at all. There is a history of the Slayers
1: having prophetic dreams. Okay. So
0: maybe this is just sort of
1: that. Good call. It also makes me wonder, like, what is going on with Faith that allows her to tap into this one piece of information? I don't know. It's interesting. And I kind of do want to know if there's some sort of fan theory out there as to why Faith knows something of Dawn's coming, but no one else does.
0: Yeah. So now that we've gotten there, fans, feel free to ruin all that kind of nonsense for us without actually ruining anything that's still yet to come, if you could. Exactly. So anyway, they're working on these sheets. They're they're fixing up this bed. Buffy's like, ooh, these sheets smell nice. Faith starts bleeding on them, and she's like, hey, stop stabbing me. And cut to Faith's hospital bed. And I expected her to startle and come come to right there, but she didn't. No. And then we cut to the opening sequence.
1: Then we go to Xander's place where Xander is trying to fix the blaster. And why in the fuck is Xander trying to fix the blaster?
0: And why in the fuck is Willow not? They're still trying to pretend that they're relying on Xander's former soldier knowledge from that one damn halloween episode they've done it three episodes in a row now and i'm like guys just stop just give it up give it up just give it up he's it's gone yeah it's gone and so he nearly electrocutes himself later in the scene well i got a quote from xander here willow's like
1: how about we just start pushing random buttons (laughs) and he says it's called a blaster will a word that tends to discourage experimentation now if it were called an orgasminator, I'd be the first to try your basic button press approach. Me too Xander. yeah yeah now, isn't there a movie? ah oh, what is it called it's like it's made by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. it's like the or, the orgasma ray or something orgasma <laughs> orgasma I think oh is God. what it's called but it, it's a
0: dude who gets a gun that gives people orgasms. I never saw that, but I remember seeing the cover of it
1: yeah it, you know back in the days of it video is stores. It's not a good movie. It is, however,
0: a very entertaining movie. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it. Well, those guys are fucking hilarious. South Park's great for a reason. No, I think Buffy's being a little overly pushy here. It's like, yeah, Buffy, why couldn't you tell that the answer is basically no, he can't fix it based on him saying, oh, sure, I can fix it just as soon as I get my master's degree in, in advanced starship technology. Yeah. <laughs> He's not fucking Geordie. Yeah, seriously. Jesus. We cut over to Buffy talking to Giles. She's really tired, and Giles and Willow are being supportive regarding Riley and her maybe getting some sleep. Even though Giles was about to offer her some backup, but uh, Buffy maintains she only needs to get the blaster working so that she can fuck up Adam when she finds him. Then Xander nearly, sh- nearly electrocutes <laughs> himself to death. Much to the blasé of the Scooby gang.
1: No one else even fucking notices. And he's electrocuted and he's like shaking and he looks over at them like, oh God, guys, they don't even notice. And then he just kind of goes back to what he's doing. He's like, oh, okay.
0: (laughs) All right, back to fixing this thing, (laughs) which from what I understand, (laughs) is the life of an electrician. (laughs) Every day is a near death situation. (laughs) Did I ever tell you I once saved my
1: dad from being electrocuted? No, or maybe it did. My dad had to rewire a uh, a box, the the circuit breaker box of this old house. Okay. And I don't remember exactly why, but for some reason we could not cut the mainline power. Okay. So we had to, he had to wire it up while the mainline power was live, Huh, which I don't know if you know this. But that's a lot of power. That sounds dangerous. He's like, here, son. And I was like 14, right? <laughs> He's like, here, son, stand here. Here's this two by four. If I get electrocuted, use the two by four to get me to stop touching this wire. <laughs> Holy shit. And it's di- terrifying. It was. But also, like, I was 14 and my dad was a superhero, basically, at that point still. So I hadn't quite learned that he was a mortal man. Uh, But, yeah, the, like, secure thing that he had to, like, hold the main line away from the box uh, released. And the the main line hit the box right in front of him. He he wasn't getting electrocuted, but I still hit him with that (laughs) 2x4.
0: So you almost saved him.
1: Right. Like, I didn't actually, but... But in my 14-year-old brain, I saved my
0: dad from being electrocuted. Oh, my God. (laughs) So another interesting story about dads getting electrocuted. My dad told me a story about when he was a small child, he was standing on a stack of newspapers in the garage, reached up and I don't know what he was grabbing at, but he grabbed a bare wire or maybe it was a car battery, something, Something started electrocuting him, and my grandpa luckily was there, you know, his dad, obviously, and pulled him off. But, like, it was bad. If my grandpa hadn't been paying attention or hadn't been there, I wouldn't exist right now. So that's the real moral of the story. This is about (laughs) me, goddammit, me. It's always about you, Josh. (laughs) Obviously. Anyway, so Buffy's really concerned about Riley still, mainly that they could be drugging, torturing, or brainwashing him. Then we cut off to... Nippleland of Mark Blucas.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, that's his name. Yeah, <laughs> I, can,
1: I can never fucking remember.
0: <laughs> also known as Riley Riley uh, Finn. Anyway, no, we're at the Initiative's military hospital. Hot damn, those are some manly nipples. Dude's in good shape. Why is it okay to show men's nipples, not women's nipples? What the hell?
1: I gotta say though. I'm particularly more impressed with David Boreanaz's shirtlessness than Mark Blukas's shirtlessness. They're both more impressive than I'll
0: ever be. Yeah,
1: same. <laughs> uh, moving on.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> Riley decides to leave and a soldier like steps in his way. I'm and pretty he's... sure it was Douche Canoe number three. Are you sure it was number three? I think so. I don't think it was. I'm not sure. That's how much I care, <laughs> and that's how much we can tell them apart. Yeah, <laughs> they all look the same. <laughs> well, I mean, they're big Buffy white dudes. They kind of do
0: all look the same. Buffy white dudes on Buffy. Well, okay, kind of. Yeah, that's uh, that's what you said. Buff white dudes. Okay. Happy? No, I'll never be happy. Uh, I mean, that's fair. So Forrest (laughs) is like, Aha, the shish kebab who walks like a man. (laughs) Which I thought was funny. Thanks, Forrest, for referencing our previous episode. Yeah. (laughs) He was definitely referencing us. That's how that works. Riley doesn't miss a beat threatening Forrest and douche canoe number three to get the fuck out of there to go see Buffy. There were more details, but that's really all that matters in my opinion.
1: More importantly, though, is Riley is like... You can't make me stay here because I'm the one in fucking charge, so mm-hmm. fuck you.
0: Yeah. And that that's the whole point. Riley's like, I'm the ranking officer here. And he's like, oh, things change. And he's like, yeah, I can still put you the fuck down. And Forrest is like, ah, okay. Yeah. And he gets to leave because he's not wrong. It's more <laughs> of an off-screen implication that that's yeah, how it went down. Exactly.
1: Dig this. Dig this. Sorry you has a win. Fire, beheading, hurry up, sweet dreams, sunlight,
0: hurry up, sweet dreams, the water, usual. Oh yeah. I hit him. The what? A desk. So back to... The hospital. Faith's hospital room. And inside of Faith's head. Yep. Where she's dreaming about the mayor. Yeah. I missed the mayor. I'm so glad we got this actor back. Yeah. Just for this one episode. I'm... I didn't realize how much I missed him. I miss him so much. I wish he could have been the overarching villain of the entire series. I mean, maybe it would have gotten old, but they could have done different things with yeah. him. Harry Groner is such an amazing fucking actor. He's, he's just so damn fun. Even like I've never met a villain quite as fun as the mayor.
1: Yeah. Even the short little bits we get him here is just it's so refreshing. Especially because there's so much of this series that is just very dour and dark and broody.
0: Yeah. I think part of the reason that he's so refreshing, particularly in this scene, like when he picks up the little garden snake that slithers up onto their blanket i was like oh god what's he gonna do to it don't hurt it oh but he didn't and even when the way he's talking to faith she views him very much as a father figure even though his comments seem to really be bordering on inappropriate sometimes he he comes off as
1: her daddy
0: not her daddy (laughs) yeah even though he made it abundantly clear when he was still on the show that it's not about that, yeah. but it still felt like that a little bit. Anyway, no, he just he felt like a good person in this scene. Yeah. And I think that's more because that's how Faith perceives him than anything to do with his actual character, because this is all in her head.
1: Right. And, and yeah, this is definitely through the lens of her reality.
0: Yes. And they do that
1: very subtly, and it's impressive writing for them to portray it that
0: way. Absolutely. And it's also a testament to his performance. Yeah. Because we see him actually as the mayor in a video later in this episode, but we'll get to that later. But basically, the juxtaposition is such that you can see the difference between her head canon of the mayor and actual the mayor. Right. Then, of course, in the dream, Buffy shows up and kills him again. Slits his goddamn throat and starts going for Faith. And she's terrified and crawling away. Yep. Cut back to the woods at night. Yep. Patrol time
1: as Buffy, Willow, and Xander are patrolling. And they find
0: a victim of Adam. A still-smoking, charred Fjarl demon. I could tell it was a Fjarl demon because it had those (laughs) curly horns. Oh. Yeah. It was flayed. At least it looked to me like a feral demon. Don't quote me. Yeah, it was flayed, strung up between some trees and cut open like a dissected frog in a science class. Flayed and, and charred is not a bad way to serve some meat, but <laughs> right,
1: it's a bit gruesome. Yeah. It, it was surprisingly gruesome for fucking TV. Right. I was a little bit shocked. It's obvious that it's not real but it was more gruesome than I would have expected.
0: Right? Yeah. It didn't look like Adam was supposedly coming back for it either. It looked like he'd learned his lesson that he wanted to learn from seeing the inside of this body, and he moved on. And so we cut over to Xander's completely normal, not losery at all, or used for any nefarious or questionable sexual acts whatsoever basement because we don't kink shame here on Beer with Buffy. Yes. Where the Scoobs believe it was Adam's doing... Because he was studying biology, supposedly. That's their theory, anyway. Yeah, it's not bunnies. We don't have Anya here, right. This episode. It's not even. Yeah,
1: she's not even here. This
0: she's episode. Not even. In, is she in the opening credits yet? I didn't notice. No, she's not. Ugh. Anyway, Buffy vows that they will stop Adam, even though the initiative cannot. Had a quote here. Xander says, uh, "Question: Will hiding in a <laughs> cabin with stockpiled chocolate goods be any part of this plan?" Buffy's like, no. Xander sits down next to Willow and he's like, told you. <laughs> so we know what Willow's thinking about. Yeah. Chocolate. And you know what?
1: Yeah. <laughs> right? Like,
0: let's do that plan. If you're going to be hiding <laughs> from demons and crazy government operations, chocolate. If you think about it, though, for a moment, Adam's
1: the least of the problem. What did the mayor want? The mayor wanted to fucking rule the world as a as a reborn demon right what did the master want to rule the world yep when angel was bad and jealous was trying to destroy the world
0: yeah which like we could never even figure out why he would want to do that yeah even spike was like oh shit I no I like the world we need the world yeah. it's got Manchester United somebody called us out on not knowing what Manchester United <laughs> is okay it's a football team or it is it soccer or is it like rugby? It is a football team. American football or European football? European football. So it's soccer. Yes. Great. Did you know that Manchester United has a player who's very famous named Joshua King? No, I did not know that. Well, they do because I accidentally searched my name on Twitter and... And somebody was like, "Fucking Joshua King, he's fucking it up again." And I'm like, "What did I do? What did you I do had this one time? job, Josh? Ah, damn one it! Job. Uh, only I can prevent forest fires. I know. <laughs> Apparently, also I'm supposed to win soccer games. You guys have way too big of expectations for me. <laughs> All right. Damn. Anyway, Buffy concocts an elaborate plan to jailbreak Riley, who then shows up right behind her in. Xander's not Sex Dungeon at all. <laughs> and Xander half-jokingly inquires that if, whether or not they put a chip in Riley's head, it's kind of funny. Watch the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Riley's like, hey, guys, uh, I know I was kind of fucked up last episode. And they're like, yeah, we know. But we like you. Yeah. Willow's like, yeah, forget it. Tell you what, you two crazy kids take down an unstoppable killer cyborg demon hybrid thingy and uh, we'll call it even. Yeah. Riley's like, taking down Adam is going to be tough. There's no way to predict what he'll throw at us. (laughs) You're here. Whatever comes, we can handle. Just had to get a little bit of that dramatic reading in. Yeah, I got to have something, man. (laughs) Cut to Faith's head.
1: Yes. More Faith Dreaming. The sequence here of her dream right before she wakes up is really well done. Great cinematography. They got the fucking dollies out. They got the fucking cranes out.
0: All right. They went all out with this. Yeah, this is some horror movie shit right here. Yeah. Like this poor girl. This actually really makes me sympathetic for Faith because this is how she views Buffy. Yeah. Uh, She's slowly stalking her with this dead-eyed look on her face while Faith is running as frantically and as fast as she can, but she just can't get the fuck away from her like a fucking horror film, like Halloween. That's always been the scariest thing about slow zombies and Michael Myers is they're slow, but you can't shake them. There is an argument for
1: fast zombies being scary, but they're jump scare scary. Yeah. Slow zombies are terrifying. Mm -hmm. Zombies are supposed to be an allegory for the impossible to elude death of us all. The impending doom of living. Yeah. Yeah. No, slow zombies all the way. That's the number one thing I hate about the fucking
0: zombie trend. It's always fast zombies. Right? Yeah. Which, it has its own place, absolutely. But it's just not the same. I want to see a, a slow zombie game. Um, one exists. What is it? It's really good, um, but it's it's multiplayer. Ugh. I know. It was popular at the same time as Zombie Panic. I can't remember the name of it right now. No More Room in Hell. Oh. It's actually, actually really it's a really good video game take on slow zombies. You might be able to play it single player. I'll check it out later. But anyway, Faith, of course, falls into an open grave. And the,
1: the fucking camera angle they get of looking down at her in the grave and Buffy, it, the camera's over Buffy's shoulder. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. So Buffy jumps in after her and there's a little bit of a,
0: we hear a scuffle in the grave. Yes. And then Faith dramatically drags herself out of the grave as it starts downpouring rain and she howls at the moon. And then in real life, she wakes up. The camera angle that they did
1: for uh, her, like, looking up at the sky with the rain and everything, they stole directly
0: from Shawshank Redemption. Oh, right? (laughs) I was like, man, this is a trope. I've seen this before. (laughs) But yeah, maybe it was just Shawshank.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When Andy Dufresne comes out of out of the fucking sewer and rips off his clothes and he's in the rain and he drops to the ground and he's like, oh my God, I'm free. Yeah. They have that high angle crane shot looking down at him through the rain. And that's exactly what they fucking
0: did here. And then old Andy Dufresne, <laughs> boy, he sure did crawl through a river of shit and come out smelling like roses. Fun fact, my fr- my
1: favorite line from that entire movie is... I'd like to think the last thing that went through the warden's head, aside from that bullet, was how did Andy
0: Dufresne ever get the best of him? (laughs) Dude, that movie was my shit growing up. Like, it was probably wildly inappropriate for a child of my age, and that's how you get wildly, highly inappropriate men (laughs) like me. I
1: rank it as my number one all-time favorite movie, period. End of story. It
0: cannot be beat. For me, that's Groundhog Day, but I still concede, like, I can accept that as an answer. It's a perfect fucking movie. Couldn't agree more. Anyway, we digress. On to Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) And so she crawls out of her grave.
1: Wow. Think you can take me? Thanks, B. Thanks,
0: B. Thanks, B. cut back to faith's hospital room
1: which holy shit this fucking hospital looks like it belongs in
0: a zombie film it does like (laughs) what grimy shit ass skeleton crew hospital were they keeping her in (laughs) It looks more like an abandoned mental asylum than a hospital. It really does. Or a warehouse storage facility that had <laughs> some converted spaces in it for offices and patient rooms. Hey, guys, uh, we have too many comatose people. Let's just rent out this warehouse over here. <laughs> right. It reminded me of that sketchy ass shit in Kill Bill where <laughs> like, they've got like six or eight Comatose patients in one room. Yeah. And this one dude's pimping them out. Yeah. Moving on from that thought. Yeah. (laughs) So Faith
1: staggers her kind of lost ass out into the hallway,
0: and there happens to be a girl there. If she had just been crawling on her hands and knees with her hair in front of her face, it would have looked like the (laughs) ring. Right. (laughs) That's how bad she looks right now. So she runs into this girl who happens to know about Sunnydale High. Something tells me nobody in Sunnydale doesn't know about Sunnydale High. Okay, fair. Uh, But yeah, this is where she learns that the mayor is dead and that it's at least a year or more. Well it turns out to be eight months later and I don't understand why this woman wouldn't just answer faith's fucking questions right it's like yeah she needs help she's obviously a disoriented patient but that doesn't make her not a person just to answer her fucking questions she's not acting crazy or yeah. anything I work I work with uh, some people who
1: have dementia yeah and one of the things they teach you is you ask what is or you answer what is asked. And you just be forward, and that is comforting. You don't give them all nicey nice answers, and you don't fucking belittle them with kindness.
0: Yeah. I think I need to just get you some help. It's like she asked you a direct question, lady. Yeah. It's like, what year is it? Just fucking answer. And it's
1: not a know. difficult question. For fuck's sake, she obviously knows that this is a fucking coma award. I'm sorry, but if I know I'm in a coma ward and someone walks up to me and is like, what year is it? I'm going to fucking tell them what year it is. I'm not entirely <laughs>
0: convinced she knew it was a coma ward. She was looking for directions when she walked in, but she knew something was up immediately. She's like, oh, yeah. I see. You know what pissed me off about that line? I was delivering a pizza one time to, uh, to a college campus and it took me, like, 15 minutes to get a hold of this guy that I was delivering the pizza to. Uh, and he said something really demeaning like, um, you know, you should find a better job. Uh, and I was like, you know, I, I have a college degree. He was like, oh, in what? Theater. Oh, <laughs> I see. Uh, and I've I'm not a violent man. But... <laughs> Some things make my mind do funny things. What can I say? <laughs> anyway, so I'm not saying this woman deserved to get the shit kicked out of her and have her clothes stolen, but she handled this situation very poorly. Yes. So we cut to Faith leaving, and she happens to be wearing this woman's clothes. Yep. And I was at first worried that, did she kill her? Right? Right. I didn't think she did, but I knew that she didn't go down without a fight. Well, my thought was,
1: did she kill her? Well, if she killed her, there would be blood on the clothes, but it's a TV show, so
0: there wouldn't be blood on the clothes. (laughs) She definitely got severely beaten, as we learned later, which was probably a bit much. Yeah. It's like, come on, Faith. You're already losing our sympathy. Like, you had a little bit, and now you already lost it. It's gone.
1: So we cut to the dorm where we learned that Riley had the scarf part of Buffy to hold him through the tough times.
0: Oh, gosh. (laughs) And that's all you really need, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's some seriously gushy, washy shit here. Well, Riley's worried about what the fuck to do
1: with himself because he doesn't know how to live without following orders. And given that he's been in the
0: military for who fucking knows how long, that's kind of fair. Yeah, that's legit. But Buffy's able to commiserate rather well, and she relates based on her experience with Giles and the council. I'm not sure that that's something Riley really knew about her before. I don't think he had learned anything about it. Certainly not on screen. But then she uh, she swings up onto his lap and gives him a little cutesy lap cuddly moment. And she's like petting him. And he's like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, just looking for brainwashy chips in your head. After she confirms that there are no brainwashing chips in his head, I've got Buffy's quote here, which I think think really sums up this scene. You've been strong long enough, Riley Finn. I'm going to help you. And we are going to find this demon. (laughs) And we're going to kill it together. And in the meantime, you're going to stop torturing yourself. And he's like, you sure about that? (laughs) It's an order. (laughs) <laughs> Which is a nice little callback to their conversation earlier in the scene. Yeah,
1: I I did like uh, the slight exchange when she's telling him about the council, and she's like, "Oh, I got orders all the time," and he's like, "Ever obey them?" And she just kind of chuckles and is like, "Sure, the ones I was going to do anyway,
0: right?" <laughs> yeah, that's Buffy. That tracks. <laughs> yeah. Cut back to the hospital. Faith's hospital anyway. Yeah. So we got two hospitals in this show, but luckily we never go back to Riley's <laughs> hospital. Which the police dude here is in shock and awe that this
1: obviously slumlord of a rundown hospital couldn't <laughs> possibly kept track of a fucking comatose woman who was, they had been
0: told they were, she was never going to wake up. Obviously, this girl was completely incapacitated. And probably had no health insurance. The mayor who was financially supporting her is dead. No more support there. And also, regardless of all of that, Mr. FBI douchebag, this is not the hospital's job. This is your job. If you needed that girl so bad, you should have posted somebody guarding her. It kind of begs the question, though.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if she had been in the hospital under Jane Doe. They don't know who the fuck she is.
0: Right. We don't know if she has an official rap sheet or anything of like getting in trouble with the cops. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, it's possible the mayor could have given her maybe a fake identity or just because they would have grilled him absolutely for information about her because he took a huge interest in her at, at the hospital. So I doubt she was there as a Jane Doe, but she was probably under some fake identity.
1: And given that a message from him gets to her later, that means that he obviously set something up for after he was dead
0: to watch her and keep track of her. Well, that calls into question, who the fuck does this nurse work for who picks up the phone in a moment because the doctor and the FBI agent get called away because some other nurse dude finds this poor woman that got beaten up and her clothes yeah. stolen, and she's like, "It's happened. Send the team." Yeah, it's like, so does she work for the council? Did she work for the mayor? Did she? Is she a some sort of double agent? I thought at first that she worked for the mayor, but it turns out she doesn't. I was thinking the council, at least when the helicopters show up later, but we'll get to that later. So we cut to the Sunnydale High exterior where Faith is staring bewilderedly at the rubble of Sunnydale High School that they should really get demolished already. Yeah. I kind of
1: want to know what they used to do this. Like, obviously, it's probably the same fucking image that we got the last time. Like, I want to see the set sort of thing. Like, did they build a large fucking ruin?
0: (laughs) Seems unlikely. But how do they just have a ruined school available? VFX, dude. Um, they take the same establishing shot of Sunnydale High School at night, and they—it was a still shot. I'm, yeah, it's, I'm positive it's just a like a fucking uh, painting or some shit, but or a 3D model that they superimposed.
1: Yeah, but it just it. This was in the. Very beginning of the 2000s, and
0: they where didn't... that shit was hard and expensive to do. Exactly, I know. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm just curious. It could have easily been a static image. You're right. And I'm just curious how they went about making that static image. Did they make a model? But I mean, they've they've had enough 3D uh, animation in this, like the snake. The if the mayor as a snake demon that was 3D animated. Yeah, you you are correct. That was totally VFX. They could do the same damn thing with the high school. Dating. i am having serious dating with a werewolf and i'm studying witchcraft and,
1: and killing vampires it's like a drug so yeah she goes from the school to wandering around sunnydale kind of lost i was almost really expecting her to run into somebody that knew her Yeah. But she didn't. She ends up going to Giles's place.
0: And yeah, this is all really just kind of setting the mood of the scene where Faith is very disoriented and just feeling weird. She's walking down this bustling street of happy people doing things with their family. I thought most notably there was this really giddy middle aged dude being pulled by his young daughter across the street. And he was like skipping and he had this dumb look on his face. (laughs) I was like overshooting there, buddy. Anyway, regardless of that. Yeah. She shows up at Giles's house. How she knows where Giles lives. I'm not sure. She'd she'd been to Giles's house. Had she? Yeah. Okay. I mean, she spent
1: a good fucking year with, with the group before she went evil. Okay. Didn't he, did
0: he move at some point? No. He's always been here. Yeah. Weird. Okay. I'll take your word for it. So she's spying through the window. She starts eavesdropping.
1: Uh, What she's overhearing is uh, Riley suspects that Adam has
0: to charge up because he has a fucking battery. Yeah, he calls it an autonomous power supply. I'm like, that's called a battery. All right. Yeah. (laughs) It requires (laughs) charging. And since he's (laughs) new out of the box. (laughs) (laughs) the. that's actually how they said it. Or Xander's suggestion is, so a killing spree? Riley's like, well, that's best case scenario. And I'm like, I don't want to know what your worst case scenario right. is, Riley. Well, I think worst case scenario is what the mayor was going to do. <laughs> right.
1: And we've been there, done that. Yeah. So pff, <laughs> that makes it easy. So Riley Buffy saves the world from Armageddon on a regular basis on Thursdays, mind you.
0: Usually. <laughs> She's got karaoke on Wednesdays, bowling on Fridays, school homework and stuff to take care of other days (laughs) so Riley picks up the blaster and just yep, right on Xander's like what the hell is there an on off switch
1: you really have to say that again but definitely in the shaggy voice because you almost went into it and that'd be funny
0: like what the hell you guys (laughs) is there like an on off switch (laughs) Scoob did you know there was an on off switch
1: Xander very much comes off as as like, you are intimidating me and making me question my manhood by being able to fucking fix this military-issued blaster that you obviously have been trained to use.
0: Yeah. I swear, it must have been gesture-based. That thing was like 20 years ahead of its time. Right. Because there were no buttons on that. No. Xander's not stupid. He would have noticed a fucking button. Yeah. Although I would argue
1: the, the Xander's not stupid part. Uh, <laughs> that, that sometimes,
0: sometimes is questionable. It is absolutely occasionally questionable, but he's not the smartest in the bunch, but he's still not stupid. I
1: imagine at some point in time, Xander in his life has had the same moment that Bart Simpson had, <laughs> where he tried really, really hard to pass his test, but just is dumb. I can see that sometimes you just got to
0: concede to the reality of the situation (laughs) well you know i think some people just don't excel in certain areas as well as other people no that's very true i mean i should know i'm a horrible fucking student yeah anyway so uh riley promises to provide inside information from the initiative which is a very valuable asset to the scooby gang right uh for instance finding instructions on how adam works And then the phone rings, Giles answers. As he incidentally walks towards the window to get to the phone, Faith smartly backs up a bit. Yeah, I hate moments like this
1: where obviously it's lit in a way so that we can see her perfectly well. They're showing us that she's still there, Mm -hmm. but it's done in a way that it's like, how did Giles not
0: fucking see that? Yeah, that one was difficult to let my brain slip by. She would not be that visible outside of the window. Agreed. And so the phone is for Buffy. Yeah. And oh no, Faith's awake and at large wearing clothes. What are we going to do?
1: You know, it might be more dangerous if she wasn't wearing clothes. Well, all you'd have to do is look for all of the car accidents. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, My favorite bit here is that Willow calls... Faith's coma, the funnest coma ever. Right? (laughs) Yeah, with no
0: lead-in. No lead-in. It's like, wow, that's rough, Willow. (laughs) Getting dark. To be fair, Faith was really fucking bad. Yeah. She needed to be not a danger to herself and others anymore, that's for sure. Yeah um xander i think really made an excellent point at the beginning of this conversation he says well i'd say this qualifies for a worst timing ever award because i'm like wow adam wasn't a big enough complication is this really the appropriate time for us to throw faith back into the mix now
1: i can't remember what next episode entails but at this point in time I would expect that it's only inevitable
0: that eventually Adam and Faith are going to team up. See, I'm thinking... I know they don't do that. That, I mean, that may arguably makes sense, kind of. I don't think Adam is the, the type to play well with others, but neither was Faith before she teamed up with the mayor. Yeah. Anyway, I think they're going to end up recruiting Faith to help them take down Adam. I have a a pretty good idea of what
1: happens in the next episode. I'm saying this because I know for a fact that this does not fucking happen. I just think it would have been really fucking interesting for faith to end up going to Adam and being like, I think she could have successfully talked to him and convinced him to keep her alive purely for information. Interesting. I think that is an angle that would have been fantastic. He's he's very logic based. Exactly. And I think, I would have liked the play to of turning Faith from maniacal psycho killer that she is to more of a mastermind kind of character. I think that would have been a brilliant move that they didn't take. Her I don't want her to experience redemption. I kind of like her being the bad guy. I agree, but I feel
0: like it's moving more towards redemption. I know. <laughs> I, but I don't remember at all what happened, so it's going to be a surprise. Right. And if we don't respond immediately to posts that are clearly spoilers in our Facebook group, don't take offense. You Feel free to discuss whatever you like, but don't be offended if we don't respond immediately. So, yeah,
1: anyway, the Scooby gang are, are talking about Faith, and Riley's just sitting there with
0: that fucking shitty and goddamn cheesy-ass face of his. Well, I, I liked that uh, small portions of this conversation brought up exactly what I was already thinking. It's like, is this really the time to bring back faith? And uh, Willow is like, well, what about Adam? And Sandra's like, well, I'd hate to see the pursuit of a homicidal lunatic get in the way of pursuing a homicidal lunatic. Right. And I'm like, okay, good. They at least broached the topic for a moment. Yeah. So they thought of that and they were like, yeah, we're gonna do it anyway.
1: Their response reads what their response should be. They know more about faith Faith is the immediate issue solely on the grounds of it's the issue of the two homicidal maniacs. It's the one they can deal with. Absolutely. They don't know enough about Adam. They can't find Adam. So they have to deal with faith right
0: now. Mm -hmm. That's like hierarchy of needs for fuck's sake. (laughs) Right. And I had a quote of the day here. Willow says, what about the council? Xander says, been there, tried that. Not unlike smothering a forest fire with napalm, as I recall.
1: (laughs) I completely missed that line. I I
0: enjoyed the the verbal imagery of that line. (laughs) It's very good. And later in the conversation, Giles says, "Uh, perhaps there's some form of rehabilitation we just haven't thought about. Referring to Faith, I think. Yeah, because it turns from Adam to Faith very abruptly. And Willow responds, and if not, ass-kicking makes a solid plan B. Solid plan B, which is pretty much the uh, the whole point of this conversation is time to kick Faith's ass. Yep. And so we close the scene with
1: cutting to Riley with his fucking cheesy ass face, going, "Who's
0: Faith?" <laughs> yeah. They made Ugh. a very good point of keeping his face out of this scene. Yeah. Once they started talking about Faith, and then they cut back to him, reminding us that he's still there, and I'm like, oh right. He doesn't know anything about faith. I will give Mark Blukas some major
1: acting cred chops. Fucking brownie points here. Boy, does he fucking play the cheesy Iowa boy so perfectly. He does. He sells it exactly as it should. Almost enough to where it just makes me think that he's actually legitimately from Iowa.
0: Right. I was wondering, based on the title of last episode, Goodbye, Iowa, I was like, wait, was that all just a story? Was that a fake backstory for Riley's persona and he knew it all along? No, he's actually from Iowa. Yeah. If he's still being genuine in this episode, absolutely. Um, so that makes me wonder, why did they call it Goodbye, Iowa?
1: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they say young people don't learn anything in high school nowadays, but I've um, learned to be a friend. So what was the uh, story about that alligator? Next day on campus, Uh Buffy is telling Willow about telling Riley about Faith. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I get why they do these sorts of
0: things, but it feels ham-handed to me. But it kind of expedites the process, I feel like. And so basically she's like, well, I kept it on a need-to-know basis I vagued up some things and I kept any information about Angel on the down low just because I had shit to do, not because she's trying to hide anything from Riley. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad they established that, because otherwise the thing that Willow said about, oh, I'm glad you had such an honest relationship with Riley uh, would have been a concern to me. So they're mainly being like, hey, guys, by the way, we did fill him in and it is not a detriment to their relationship moving the fuck on. And so the other big thing we get out of this conversation is that her patrol last night yielded zero results of finding Faith. Yeah, the pressure is definitely high. I tell you, if I were her, I'd get out of Dodge post hastily. All of a sudden there's Faith and she says, you're not me. Dun, 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 commercial break. And we cut back to people arguing and sometimes the police show up. Faith immediately gets five stars in Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) I didn't really take down many details of this conversation because it's the same old shit. Yeah, it's... Oh, Buffy, you're so stuck up. Oh, Faith, you're so broken. There's, There's no fucking conversations that can happen
1: at this juncture between Buffy and Faith that we haven't heard for an entire fucking season worth. Right. But my favorite part is Willow is, like, inching her way to get behind Faith to hit her with her backpack, right? And let me tell you, college student means that that backpack is full of fucking books and a dangerous fucking weapon. But no, obviously Faith is too fucking
0: good for that. She's still on point with her slayer skills, absolutely. Which I was kind of wondering. I was like, you did just come out of a coma. Right. Like, your muscles very much... Her bounce back has got to be fantastic, though. Yeah, but, I mean, even as... And that's like the only thing holding her up at this point because your muscles atrophy when you're in a coma that long. So Buffy tries to reason with Faith. Faith goes on a diatribe about Buffy forgetting about Angel, the guy she tried to kill Faith over. And then the cops show up. Faith runs and knocks the cops over and escapes over a wall. Buffy runs to the wall and it's like Faith's obviously just hiding behind the fucking wall. My favorite part, though, is after they start fighting, Willow hits Faith with the backpack. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then Buffy grabs her and reels her back into the fight before she's able to take a hit on Willow. Yeah. So that worked out. It's excellent. I Mm -hmm. loved it. But yeah, Faith gets away. Cut back to Campus Inside, where Willow and Tara are doing some reconnaissance about Faith and I feel like this was more about filling in Tara on the Faith situation. I think it was more
1: about informing us, the viewer, just how into the information circle Tara has become. That as well. Because Tara still has not actually fucking met any of the scooby gang oh you shit you're right but she knows all about them and willow is divulging a lot of fucking information about the scooby gang heavy amounts of trust it's it's showing us specifically the level of intimacy between these two characters it runs deep very 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 deep but my favorite part i have two two lines from this As they're talking about scoping out campus, trying to find faith, Tara looks to Willow and says, so recon until nightfall? Willow replies with, then the ritual hiding begins. (laughs) Yeah, with chocolate. With chocolate. It was implied. Yes. The other part that I really like, Willow specifically says to Tara, you'll be safe with me. I don't know if you were paying
0: attention to Tara's face at all. When Willow said that... I'm always paying attention to Tara's face. I can't look <laughs> away. It's so awkward and yet pretty at the same time.
1: I Yeah, it's that's called good acting, I it's think. It's weird. When Willow says that to Tara, it really shows Amber Benson's acting chops, because the just the expression on her face is just giddy. The feeling of... She expertly portrays outwardly, visually, how Tara feels... So giddy about this person that she's obviously in love with saying, I'll protect you. Mm -hmm. It's very subtle, but it's there and it's excellent acting.
0: I particularly enjoyed the moment. Where she's like, you know, I'm not really good at the, (laughs) it's just this horrible punching motion and Will is like swimming. Yeah. It looks like dog paddling (laughs) with fists. Like if you were (laughs) trying to punch anybody with the way she was doing the fist swinging, you would hurt your wrists Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. lot. And you wouldn't hurt them at all. Like it's hurting my wrists. Just making the motion right now. (laughs) It's really bad. Oh my God. Willow says, don't worry, we're sure to spot Faith first. She's like this cleavagey slut bomb walking around going, oh, check me out. I'm wicked cool. I'm five by five. Which I Oh my God, yes. Tara's response is five by five. Five what by five what? <laughs> See, that's the thing. No one knows. <laughs> I didn't write that down and I regretted not writing that down. I really appreciated that part for two reasons. Uh, I'll get the heavy part out of the way first. I feel like Willow uses the word slut more in this TV show than I don't think I've ever heard anybody else in this TV show use the word. She only uses it in reference mainly to Faith and maybe Cordelia once. Yeah. Like, and it kind of makes me go, Willow's not quite as woke as she should be yeah in the writing of this episode and if i could change one thing about the series i'd prefer that she never used the damn word once yeah because what does that even mean i am part of an extremely fucking progressive uh if he does say so
1: himself and he does it doesn't even apply in this context, really. All right. I'm part of a very an extremely progressive, let's say social community, and there is an understanding in this community about what ethical sluts are, yeah, but
0: Willow is not using this term that way. no, it's just shaming somebody who enjoys sexual attention. And I mean, if you want to call him a histrionic, fine, but don't use the word slut that way. Yeah. It's not cool. Not cool. The other thing I liked about this was that they're calling out that five by five thing. (laughs) We don't know what the fuck it means. We we get through context that it means good. (laughs) Oh, it was so good. And just Willow's body language is like, see,
1: I don't even know. No one even knows what it means. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a fun moment. Obvious that she has deliberated what the fuck does that mean quite
0: a bit over the last year. Right? (laughs) Yeah. It definitely implies that there's a lot of behind the scenes discussion about that. So we cut to the next scene, which is outside on a street at nighttime. <laughs> Where Xander is not doing a very good job of hiding the fucking blaster under his trench coat. <laughs> Among other things. And he won't <laughs> shut up because he thinks he had some sort of effect on faith. Oh god. Giles is very dismissive, rightfully so. Yeah. And yeah, that fucking we taser. Have a history.
1: No, you don't, Xander. <laughs> you don't have a history. You were there. You're nothing but a currently breathing, living dildo
0: for her purposes. Right. And is that a taser sticking out of your trench coat? (laughs) Are you just happy to see me? (laughs) Or are you just happy to see Spike? Huh? It's been a while since Spike has been in the basement. You know, it it has. (laughs) That's that's why Anya's gone. That's why it's no longer the... (laughs) It is a not-losery-at-all basement where any nefarious sexual acts are happening. Yeah. So they hear a noise in the alleyway, and, oh, thank God, it's just Spike. They're both... Visibly pleased to see Spike. Oh, thank God. It's just Spike. You know, I'm visibly pleased to see Spike, so I can agree. Absolutely. (laughs) But he's been trying to teach them time and time again. Just because he's got a chip in his head doesn't make him not evil. Yeah. So feel free to fill in any lines that aren't Spike. Well, I only have his punchline. All right. But
1: just fucking shoot.
0: Well, they explained to Spike... The faith situation. He's like, "Oh, all right. Uh, tell you what I'll do then. Head out, find this girl, tell her exactly where all of you are, and then watch as she kills you." <laughs> <laughs> and their faces are just fucking priceless. Like, why would you do that, Spike? <laughs> why would why would you betray us? I'm so hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can anyone of your damn little Scooby Club at the Dang, geraint, that's another one. I'm sorry, geraint. Uh, <laughs> Scooby Club, at least try to remember that I hate you all. Just because I can't do the damage myself doesn't stop me from aiming a loose cannon your way. <laughs> and here I thought the evening would be dull. <laughs> and then Xander's like, you don't
1: even know what she who she is. And obviously Xander's already given
0: him all the information he needs to find her oh uh dark hair this tall uh name of faith criminally insane i like this girl already close i don't know if we get any faith spike interaction but i want it damn it (laughs) i was expecting it by the end of this episode and it hasn't happened yet but it's a two-part episode so we'll see but i love as he's walking away xander turns to giles (laughs) is that the punchline you were talking about we're dumb we're yeah
1: well i mean the look on giles's face is he's just so awestruck at their own stupidity
0: yeah and i mean xander's technically dumber but giles should have learned his lesson last episode and he didn't which is hilarious to me
1: and you're what? Shocked and disappointed? I'm believing. You should know better, should know better than attempt to fate, but the fate, the fate stuff. Well, that was pathetic. You should know better. you should know better than attempt to fate, the fake the fate of the fate A lot more that. A fantastic day. Birds singing, squirrels making lots of rotten little squirrels. Cut to the hospital where the nurse waits for i'm
0: assuming watchers
1: getting out of a helicopter
0: they i just described them as some sort of g men there's 3 of them they're holding briefcases and they arrive by helicopter at the hospital they look very british their watchers that that's my that's my
1: assessment they, they look very british they
0: didn't look british to me at first but they sounded british later so anyway regardless of their nationality they were carrying briefcases and they looked scary Cut to the street.
1: Yep, downtown where Faith is walking down the street and very expertly eludes the police,
0: I might add.
1: She dodges
0: to Popo and ducks into an alleyway where she murders a demon, claiming that a friend sent him. I like to think that the mayor knew she would fucking kill the demon.
1: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Because there's no way the mayor thought for a second that she wouldn't kill it. She's
0: like, I don't like you. I'm going to give you a job. Let's see how this pans out, shall we? Oh, yeah. That's good headcanon. Yes. I like that.
1: So, yeah, she immediately kills the demon, grabs the package that he had, and runs away just as the cops come by. By the way, with their spotlight, completely miss the fucking dead body on
0: the alley floor. Right? <laughs> and they completely missed her feet still sticking halfway down the ladder i'm like come on guys i think
1: very early on in the series we talked about just how outrageously incompetent the police in sunnydale have to be and this just hammers that fucking hole. it
0: wasn't <laughs> even that early it was like last season dude I, I think we've brought it up every single time the police come into many, this. many because... many times it is a strong standing theme here on beer with buffy And even within the canon of Buffy the Vampire Slayer of just how fucking incapable the Sunnydale police are. Yep. I almost think they did this missing the legs on purpose just to add to that. Yeah.
1: We cut to some AV place that's audio
0: video for you younger folks. Um, Are there younger folks listening to us? I'd like to know. Give us a call at (laughs) 269-743-0783. There's this thing called a telephone. You may think of it (laughs) as a smart device or your pocket computer. Uh, I don't know what the hip, cool kids are calling it these days. I think they still call it their phone. Oh, well, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it still is a phone. Anyway, so what you can do is you can just hit that little microphone button on your keyboard and let me say the phone number for it because I know how much you hate typing in phone numbers. <laughs> um, I remember one time that I was using a phone that was stuck to a wall and a cord one time, and I had to punch in that number like 20 different times because I just you had to get the string of numbers right all in one go or it wouldn't work. I used to love using the phone at my grandma's house because it was a
1: rotary dial. Rotaries were so much fun. I miss them. But I have actually legitimately thought, because they make Bluetooth rotary dial phones. (laughs) I have legitimately, I have thought maybe, just maybe, I kind of want one of these because... The, le- the feeling of nostalgia of picking one of those up and dialing a number just would feel... so. And I've been watching a lot of Warehouse 13. <laughs> and there's... Like, anytime they'd have, like, a-, a-, a number pad, it's a fucking rotary. Right. And it just makes me go,
0: oh, oh, I, I need that in my life. <laughs> I love how he can brute force any password with that stupid little, like, 15... 15- character cracker right. thing. I'm like, "No. I don't care how fancy your old school shit is. I have a password for one of
1: my one of my accounts that is 256 characters." Damn. Obviously, I don't type the password in, right? My computer
0: does it for me. <laughs> I would hope so. Um, yeah, it's very steampunky. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, She's in a place to watch a VCR. <laughs> Which, as I mean, it's not the first VCR we've seen on this show. I know. It's still it's, technology it, of
1: the time. It still just makes me feel very yeah. old. But we get what really feels like a true, deep, heartfelt message from the mayor. Yeah. There's a little bit of goofiness in it because he's like, hey, if you're watching this, I'm probably dead, but hey, maybe I'm not dead. Maybe this is in a museum and there's a bunch of kids watching this because
0: it's in a museum and hi, kids. And they're all terrified. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Yeah, I wish I'd written more of his stuff down but I mean just watch the episode there's a lot of good material it really yeah. it's a performance that cannot be done justice in our podcast Definitely so not. I'm just I'm not even gonna try go back and watch the episode if you haven't at least one or two of our listeners have been telling us that they really enjoy listening to our episode first and then watching the episode of Buffy yeah And then they're viewing it in a whole different way than they normally would. And that's something I never really would have thought of. I kind of went through Star Trek The Next Generation
1: with the Greatest Gen podcast. Yeah. When I did that, I specifically watched the Star Trek episode, then listened to the podcast. It never fucking occurred to me to actually listen to the podcast first.
0: Yeah. Especially if you've seen the show before already. Exactly. You might as well do it that way. So that's our new suggestion. Yeah. Listen to us and then listen, then watch the episode. But, anyways, so he's like, I'm probably dead. The world is definitely changed by the time you wake up because he knows she's in a coma at this point. Yep. And it's definitely not going to be a change that's in your favor, Faith but here's this gift and it turns out to be some weird gizmo that's probably some sort of weapon. I thought it was going to be some kind of like brass knuckles cuz it definitely has rings, three I, rings.
1: I thought it was going to be like a thing you like put on your hand, you put the rings on and the like wearing it like she does in the show where it's on her palm and it was like a fucking like energy blaster thing. Okay.
0: Yeah. I think that would have been cool. It would have been cool, but we're we're going to hold off on telling you exactly what it was. I mean, I already kind of ruined it in the mom synopsis. but So it's this mystery gizmo that she pulls out of this small box. The mayor specifically says, so I wanted you to have this uh, so that you can go out with a bang because he has no expectations. He made it clear of her being able to, to survive in the landscape of the world because she no longer has a place. Her only place was with him, which I think is horribly conceited of him. I mean, they don't exactly have a healthy relationship going on here. (laughs) No, they absolutely didn't. So this is all par for the course for the mayor's manipulation tactics. And that's what I meant when we were talking earlier about the way she views and perceives him versus how he actually is. And that is a great example. Because we saw the
1: previous scene where we were seeing the mayor through her eyes, and now we're seeing the mayor as he was because he's such a good actor there's a very subtle difference it's in delivery so subtle um but there it's definitely there but Eliza Dushku is also a really fucking good actor and is able to portray viewing this information from the mayor in a, in a light that we can see how she is seeing the mayor it fucking gives me goosebumps. She falls for all of
0: his shit, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. It's understandable how and why she does. And I think that is a good argument why she deserves a redemption storyline. Because she's a victim. Kinda, yeah, she's okay, She's actually yeah. a victim. She is,
1: because she's a damaged person, and he took advantage of that. Well, the, the simple truth was, is even though... She is the Slayer, even though she does have all this, quote, power, she feels in her daily life completely, utterly powerless. And he gives her that feeling of power. There you go. He solidifies the image of her. She feels lost. She feels completely out of place. And... In him, she is able to see herself through his eyes and see something that she cannot see otherwise. I buy that. In a way, in a creepy, creepy way, the mayor is doing something good. He is stabilizing this person who needs it. hmm But his motives behind why he is doing it are all horrible and evil.
0: Yeah. Nobody is just one thing. Yeah, he's evil, but I think he did legitimately care about Faith also yeah, in, his, in his own fucked up way.
1: Buffy, you made some bad choices. You just might have to live with some consequences. This isn't over. If I have to, I'll go all the way to the mayor.
0: So we cut to Riley's room. He's having a little difficulty understanding the gravity of this situation with Faith. Buffy points out that he can't fight right now because he's injured. Because he's trying to be like, well, I'm here for you, Buffy. You know, except in that way. She throws a ball and he's like, ah, just catching the ball. He can barely even do that. So Buffy's like, Riley, this isn't a joke. There's a criminally insane woman out there with superpowers who thinks that I'm responsible for ruining her life. Which is absolutely Faith's perception of the situation. Exactly. And I think that is the quintessential moment of this scene that sums up and makes things stick in Riley's head why this is a real problem. Yeah. More importantly, like, Riley, think of how badly you can't kick Buffy's
1: ass when she's holding back. Yeah. Think of how badly you couldn't kick Buffy's ass if she wanted to fucking murder you. That's what it would be like fighting Faith. You're fucking dead. That's the end of the story. The only reason that no one else in the fucking Scooby gang is dead is because Faith can't fucking stop herself from trying to torment them.
0: Yeah. She fancies herself this genius and she keeps getting caught in the middle of her... Hard air quotes, genius plans, like is about to happen. You know, a season ago, she was trying to steal Angel from Buffy, but she just didn't have the chops. No, And it's aggravating. And I get that. But still, you know... Stop being a horrible person. So then, immediately,
1: of course, we cut back to Buffy's house, not Buffy's dorm, mind you. Buffy's house, where we see Joyce and we Joyce's seen-
0: house. Yeah, it's really just Joyce's house.
1: I mean, it's still Buffy's house. She gets her mail there. That uh, okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but holy shit, we haven't seen Joyce all fucking season. Yeah, it's been a minute. So Faith, hi wa- Joyce. Yeah, how are you doing? <laughs> Faith wastes zero time in knocking Joyce the fuck out. And I can't imagine why. I can't imagine why Joyce has an aneurysm and dies less than a year from now. Huh? Also, Joyce, holy fuck. You have three fucking windows in your door. Learn to use them. (laughs) Right. Oh, my God. They're there for a fucking reason. And then there's a commercial break, and we cut back to Faith is waxing villainistically, as she is prone to do. That is my favorite sentence that you have said this episode. Wow, oh, thank you. Waxing villainistically. I thought it was a good word. It's very good. I approve. <laughs> it's Excellent. not a real word, but it's a good word. Yeah, it doesn't need to be real. This is Beer with Buffy. <laughs> so Joyce handles herself like a fucking champ. Right. She's sitting there on the bed. She's got a huge black eye. Yeah. Frankly, and she's lucky her eye didn't rupture.
1: Faith is like digging through her makeup and she pulls out finally a lipstick where she's like, oh, Harlot, this works. And she puts it on. She they, turns around. I love,
0: they named
1: a lipstick color Harlot. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, you, I don't think have had as many girlfriends as I've had that were into makeup. No.
0: I absolutely um, am not.
1: <laughs> I have had most of the women that I have dated were very into makeup. I don't know why this is a trend, but they are interesting. And the names that she rattles off for lipstick is like par for the course. That's par for the that's par for the course of what
0: fucking lipstick names are. Yeah, I guess I should really take their word for it that they know what they're talking about because I know jack shit about makeup. But yeah, Faith turns around and says, "How do I look?" To Joyce, and Joyce just psychotic yeah <laughs> good and the, deadpan there joyce it really was joyce god like a champ like i said so faith tries to play this i'm gonna get into your head and make you feel abandoned by buffy and in general joyce is like were you planning to slit my throat anytime soon <laughs> 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 which is amazing <laughs> just oh my god bored now Faith is trying to be all like, oh, look at all these letters that Buffy sent you. She obviously hasn't been home for a while. You must feel completely alone, and she's just going to leave you here abandoned like she forgets about everybody. Her actual line is Sooner or later, you're going to have to face it. She was over us a long time ago, Joyce, too busy climbing onto her new boy toy to give a single thought to the people that matter. I mean, you're her mother, and she just leaves you here to die. Me thinks that, uh, she's
1: projecting a bit.
0: (laughs) What? Faith never does that. Right. Because at this exact moment, Buffy crashes through the window. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Buy Kool-Aid, everybody. Uh, They're not sponsoring us at all, but they should. They should. And she tackles Faith. (laughs) And she's like, hi, mom. Hi, honey. Just did the very exact thing that Faith was making it seem like was a completely hopeless scenario. Yep. And they fight. So, yeah, fighty, fighty, fighty. Quick cut to Giles's place where
1: obviously watchers are like, hey, Rupert. Dun, dun, dun.
0: Hello. <laughs> did you say hello? No, I said hello, but that's good enough. <laughs> uh, back to the fight
1: and. Let me say, nothing, and I repeat, nothing demolishes a house the way two slayers fighting demolishes a fucking house. I don't know. Have you
0: seen Charmed? Their house gets destroyed in like every episode. I haven't, actually. Yeah, I (laughs) know. I have no desire to. Well, two slayers or three witches and demons. Yeah. But damn.
1: Like... Faith is pulling drawers out of the buffet and throwing them at
0: fucking Buffy. Picking up everything. It's like, oh, look, a salt shaker. (laughs) (laughs) And she just dumps out a big drawer of silverware and starts going at her with a butter knife or something? It looked like kind of like a cake knife or something. Okay. But very
1: specifically, she's like stabbing at her overhand like this. Yeah, Uh, Obviously, the listeners can't see my hand motion, but it's a very like...
0: Uh, serial killer
1: I'm gonna
0: stab you in a way that reads well on camera but but wouldn't actually work well in a real fight she knows how to fight what the fuck are you doing Mr. Choreographer (laughs) hey that's (laughs) the whole point of stage combat is making it look good not be realistic Uh, kind of it needs to be a little bit more realistic than that it's the eternal struggle what are you gonna do But yeah, the police are obviously coming because Joyce did the smart thing and called the fucking police. She absolutely did. And then Faith is running into the living room and closes the door and Buffy just crashes through (laughs) the window of, of this room divider door. And it was just a great moment. Faith takes this moment that she wins herself like three seconds to put on the little ring doojobby gizmo yep. that the mayor gave her. She really quick grabs Buffy's hand as she's punching at her, and some weird flashy thing happens, and I'm like, ooh, um, what the fuck's happening? Is she stealing her powers? I don't know. Right? She so Buffy knocks faith out so joyce runs down and she's like and buffy's like well she's the police's problem now and joyce is like what's that i don't know some kind of weapon chucks it on the ground and smashes it with her foot yeah and then major
1: kudos to sarah michelle geller for her facial acting here because the look in her eye is so much more of a crazy, I'm a psycho look than Eliza Dushku could ever pull off. (laughs) Because Joyce asks her, are you okay? Yeah, and she like stares into space with this wide eye look and she's like, I'm five by five. Dun, dun, dun. To be continued, which was very out of the blue for me. I like, it. the to be continued popped up and I'm like, holy shit, it's over,
0: right? Fuck. (laughs) <laughs> I was watching the timestamp very closely, but I was like, Oh shit, they done gone swap souls. That's problematic at best. Yeah. Ger-arg. Ger-fucking-arg.
1: Yes, it's terribly simple. It? The good guys are always Star Wars and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pleatis or black hats. Uh, we always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies and...
0: What's your quote of the day? All right. My quote of the day, Rex, I'm going to have to give it to Joyce. Were you planning to slit my throat anytime (laughs) soon? Delivery as well. Like, not just quote, but also excellent delivery. Absolutely. You know, we give a lot of fucking quotes to Xander and Willow and Giles and Spike and maybe Riley at some point. I don't think we've given any to Riley, but who fucking cares? Buffy, everybody, all the main characters. Yeah. Joyce has been on the show a long fucking time. And at the very least, because Kristen Sutherland has been on this show a long fucking time, as many issues as I've had with the character because obviously I have mommy issues, but regardless of all of that, kristen sutherland deserves her damn props as an actress on this show she came in for this episode and fucking brought her a game for fuck's sake yeah and she always does exactly she really always does and damn she really had a pair like like faith said (laughs) in the in the episode so this one goes out to you yeah how do i look psychotic
1: Yeah, I I loved that. (laughs) That's my honorable mention, by the way. Okay. But my actual quote of the day, I'm giving to Spike. Okay. Can't any
0: one of your damned little Scooby Club at least try to remember that I hate you all? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. That was a great one. The whole scene with Spike was gold. Yeah, but
1: that encapsulates it. It, it encapsulates it and it wraps it in a little blanket and it snuggles <laughs> up to it. And it's just so good.
0: <laughs> so how'd you feel about this episode, Rex? I fucking loved it, actually.
1: Yeah. I like any episode that when the end, cre- when the end credits hit, I'm like, holy shit, that's over? Because it had me the whole fucking time. Yeah. It's really hard with watching the episodes in the fashion that we do for this this podcast to truly get pulled into the episode mm-hmm. because I'm having to pause it and take notes and everything. But when an episode is so good that it pulls me in despite the fact that I'm pausing it and taking notes, that's impressive. Yeah. And this episode unquestionably did it. And let me tell you. There are no throwdowns that are as
0: satisfying as two slayers going at it. Absolutely, you know. I think this was a great episode as well. We needed something to get our minds off of having lost Professor Walsh. Yep, and having to acclimate to Adam, which, as you could tell last episode, we were not a hundred percent enthused by that. Nope, and we still have a third of the season left. And what better to take our minds off of that instead of, you know, they could have easily done some bullshit monster of the week episode and just ignored the main plot line. But they were like, fuck it. Faith is still in a coma. Let's bring her back. Exactly. And, and it's a, she's a tried and true character and it made sense. She's a slayer. She's not going to be in the fucking coma forever. A year tops, and it wasn't even, it was about eight months. No, it gave everybody a perfect reason to get our mind out of the slump that we'd gotten into, and it it was very fun. One of the things that
1: this episode really made me realize is they haven't done very much monster of the week stuff this season or when they have done monster of the week stuff it hasn't been any sort like it it's still always completely
0: tied to the whole the main arc i think that's one of the best things about the show is i feel like the more the show progresses the less they need to rely on that crutch exactly of monster of the week and they're able to just write this big long contiguous arcing theme of the drama and the storylines and the character growth exactly and this is one of those moments where they truly
1: were like hey let's pull from previous shit let's add a weight to this episode that we built up an entire season with
0: yeah hey let's actually capitalize on some of those loose ends
1: expertly beautifully done i love that it's a two-part episode i've actually really really happy it's a to be continued i was very happy that it didn't wrap up so quickly at the end because they've done that a little too much really quickly the last five minutes like oh look there's the wrap-up we're done moving on and it's like no Mm -hmm. like you could have continued it like
0: stop building things and then tossing them aside had a great cliffhanger ending exactly We obviously know exactly what the next episode is going to be spent doing, and that doesn't bother me at all. No, not even a little bit.
1: So this has been Beer with Buffy. As always, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Beer with Buffy. Review us on iTunes. That's the number one way that you can help our podcast. If you'd like to support us financially, go to patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Donate, Buy us a beer, that sort of thing. If you'd like to wear something that says Beer with Buffy on it or carry around a mug or put a sticker on your laptop, go to store.beerwithbuffy.com. You can leave us a voicemail or a text message at 269-743-0783. You can also send us an email at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. As always, thank you very much to Benjamin Alexander and Reggie Page for our transition and opening and closing music. And hey, if you like making music and you like Buffy, we are in very much need of a new composer for the next season. We have a very limited time to find somebody who's willing to do that music. About seven episodes now. And so if you're interested at all contact us on twitter facebook email or even voicemail or text message any of the multitude of ways that we have for you to contact us this has been beer with buffy i'm rex i'm josh have a good night keanu speed reeves be with you whoa whoa
0: watching this. (laughs)